All right, here we go. How, how do you get to know somebody? Right, and now we, we talked about this last week, as I said, we, we had, if you weren't here, we had these sort of, um, I call them affinity sort of things, that's kind of a big word, basically hobbies or likes, things that you like to do, and uh, I'm going to take a risk here and say, how, how many of you found that kind of fun or good in some way or another? Okay, a bunch of you. Uh, I, I was really encouraged by that because I, I saw you engaging that and, and working that and uh, I, I was originally, my plan was to mix it up, like to not just put one at each group. So I was going to have like grandmas and gamers, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, science and sports or something like that. So you just get these like people completely mixing up. But then I, I just said, no, Kimball, simplify, simplify, keep it simple for these people. And uh, you probably appreciated that, but maybe some other time we'll do that. But how do you get to know someone? Uh, you know, I think that uh, there's opportunities like that around it. Sometimes it's hard in our church environment to, to start up those kind of conversations, to get to know each other. But um, that, that is one way, is just finding out what people are, are interested in and then connecting with them on that. Or even you're saying, like, I don't, I don't get it. That's why the question underneath it was, you know, what do you enjoy about this? And uh, that might have spurred some, some things. You know, what, why do I really like to travel? Just want to get away, right? I just got to get away from everything at work or like experiencing new things, new foods. There's other kind of things. What is this, the point of that, you know, in saying, why, why do I enjoy this? And then hearing each other and maybe even seeing it differently and, and uh, going from there. But see, if you wanted to know something about someone, say if you wanted to know more about my friend Christina up here, now you know... She's right down here. She's, she's had enough, right, of me pointing her out today. Um, but, you know, you know where she's, she's at here or you see her back there. You could go up to her and ask her more things. Like, how did you get into the massage therapy program? What do you enjoy about that? Like, you can, you can connect with her and ask her different things, and she would probably have questions for you, too. We can get to know each other. But what about getting to know God? We understand that he is transcendent. He is beyond us. Big word, just it means he's higher than us, bigger than us. And yet, today, as we're going to discover, he had to reveal himself to us. If he wanted us to know him, he needed to make himself known. So let me ask you this, uh, this question. How many of you would say that God has spoken to you? How many of you would say, God has spoken to you? Okay, so that's a, that's a you know, strong uh, you know, flavor among us today, and hopefully that will change for all of you by the end of this to see that God has indeed spoken. Now, you might have thought, well, I don't know if I've heard his audible voice, but that's, that's not fully what we're talking about here. Uh, has God indeed spoken? Has he spoken to us as people? Today we're going to look at our value as we're in this series on value. We're talking about what is most important to us. And so initially we started out talking about our mission. What are we all about? We talked about prayer, understanding that that's our power source. We have prayerful dependence on God. We put our trust, everything, all on Him alone. Last week we talked about our value of loving 
in community. That's really the, the source, the relationships of how we grow together uh, in love for each other is a value to us. And so today, this is our value on, on teaching truth, and this is what we state. We value the in-depth teaching of the Word of God as the guiding transformational truth for the journey of life and the basis of everything that we do. Now, we, we talk, we're talking about the Word of God. And so we're going to look at, at Scripture as part of this, but we're going to go a little bit broader and thinking about God's Word, God speaking uh, to us. And so today I want to declare to you very clearly that God has, in fact, made himself known to us, that God has spoken. And so three areas we're going to look at, they're probably familiar to you, but it's always good for us to be refreshed and reminded, oh yeah, God has actually revealed himself. He has spoken to us. And so he's spoken to us in creation, he's spoken to us in his holy scriptures, and he has spoken to us in the person of Jesus Christ, those three things uh, today. All right, first of all, God has spoken in creation. John referred to it right from the beginning, Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In that, he spoke. He said, let there be, and there was. And his word says that it was created out of nothing. When things were formless and void, there was nothing. Hebrews 11 verse verse 3 says, By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, at his voice. By faith, we receive it because we were not able to be it. We weren't there. You know, and uh, I, I was talking with someone yesterday, and some of you maybe have watched this or followed this on the news, this idea of, uh, of AI that's come out very uh, kind of recently, some new things in beta, and, and I don't know where that's all going to go if you followed it, but artificial intelligence and, and these things that you could just uh, get all kinds of, of information or things that would create a, a document for you or a, a masterpiece and an art just by entering some different things and then pressing a button and now I haven't personally experienced this. Have any of you played around with it? Yeah, some of you. Um, some of you have like no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about anything that's a sci-fi movie. It's, it's current, it's now, it's, it's a little bit scary. Uh, my friend was telling me, yeah, for educators, this is going to be a challenge, right? Because someone could just type in all kinds of things, like write me a you know, grade 11 paper on you know, whatever, the founding of North America, or whatever, you know, just boom, and enter. I don't know all the things that you would enter, and then it actually would create a thing, and you just press print, hand it in, there you go, teacher. You know, or you wanted to create a, a masterpiece of art and you'd, you'd put in some defining sort of things and then, boom, it would do it for you. And this is what's our world now, AI. Unbelievable, what might be possible. But it can only create something from something else. Other info that's been inputted or retrieved from somewhere. It is actually, of course, artificial intelligence. It mimics or it imitates its creation powers are limited to the human source. There is only one true creator, God, who can make something completely out of nothing. Psalm 19, verse 1 to 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. 
Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. The created world shouts that there is a creator, a designer. I mentioned a little while ago, I, I like these, uh, these Lego uh, sets, you know, and, and it's all kind of somewhat to scale. And this was my project from Christmas. It's a Ducati. And uh, it's pretty impressive, right? I did this. I made this. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Did it all by myself. Now, when you begin this project, you take the box and you open up, and they're all little packages, and they're, they're kind of organized in some way, but I don't really know. I just kind of cut them open, and I do them by color code so that I can find them. But as I was, I was doing this, and I had all the pieces all over the table. Now, you might think, okay, this is going to be a pretty common illustration of, of creation of the world, like how could it have happened from all these pieces scattered all over and just all brought together into something like this. You can take that. But I, I thought about it a little bit further. See, when I started putting this together, I had a week uh, during Christmas. My wife, as I said, loves doing puzzles. I, I don't, but uh, this is something that I've gotten into that I like doing over uh, vacation. I started this project and I got about halfway through. And when I got to halfway through, it says in the instructions that you, you turn the, the little, uh, little dial, little wheel thing, and then all the other wheels are supposed to be in sync, like little gears that are all connected to other gears and parts to other parts and little elastic bands and everything that holds it all together. And you turn that and everything it shows as much as it can show in a rather poor instruction manual, you know, as it can do. At least I thought so. I don't get it. Turn it. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And I'm thinking, I have missed a part or I've put something in the wrong spot because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So what do I have to do? So the other day, I had it sitting for like the last month just on the table, the kitchen table, haunting me, thinking, oh, I gotta, I gotta get at this thing and try to fix it. So my, my one thought, my lazy thought was, I'm just gonna finish it and not worry about all the parts that go together. It still looks fine, you would never know. But I would know. And my wife would know, because she would say, oh, that's so cool how this all works together. Why doesn't it work? And then I'd be like, no, I couldn't do it. So here's me, taking it apart, thinking, okay, I'm going to go back a step, one page back. Uh, I don't know if that did it. Another page back. Uh, I don't know if that's going to do it. Guess what I had to do? Take it all apart. Took the whole thing apart. Every single piece started over. And, and rebuilt it, and here it is before you today, complete and everything works, I think. I think it does. But here's, here's the point. See, science in, in some ways, and this is no way a, a full you know, apologetic letter on, on, or a message on, on science and creation, evolution, anything like that, but just thinking in terms of science, in some cases where they maybe have set out to disprove God, not all scientists do, but just to find out, seek truth, or seek something that from a naturalistic perspective, you know, outside of a supernatural one, they often actually testify, unbeknownst to them, uh, to the magnificence of a designer, and how one piece missing in our, in our universe or in the wrong spot 
would potentially throw off everything, throw off our whole orbit. We'd either freeze or, or burn up. Now, I, again, I'm not a specialist or science and all that kind of thing, but this is what we, we know of how our world has been put together. And it didn't just happen. There was a designer. There was God, and God did it. All kinds of questions that we can have and ask about creation and origin and everything like that. But for us, as people of faith, people who we can know, we can discover that there, is, there has to be a creator God even before we even get to the other ways of how he spoke. He spoke creation, and creation happened. You know, we as humans, we have incredible functionality of respiratory, circulatory systems, heart and lungs. The people that were over there in the science corner last week, you know, they, they know this. They've examined things of science. And, and they are, are heart and lungs. They pump blood and do things with oxygen and carbon dioxide. And I, I probably, I'll admit, it's been a long time since uh, whatever class that was in, in high school, about things. Um, this is what I found on the website of National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. Okay? When you inhale, breathe in, air enters your lungs. I remember this now. And oxygen, this is where it gets a little deeper than that. Oxygen from that air moves to your blood. How's it do that? Just, just say, okay, I'm going to the blood. At the same time, carbon dioxide, which is a waste gas, moves from your blood to the lungs and is exhaled, breathed out. This process called gas exchange is essential to life. National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute didn't just make that up. This is how our body was made, and this is how we're breathing. We've done this how many hundreds of times today already? Haven't really given it much thought. Incredibly designed. We have brains, right? <laughs> we do. That process information. <laughs> Some of you are looking like, oh, I think so, uh, last I checked. Um, but they process information, and then they direct the body to, to move and to, to do things and how the rest of the body all functions. And I know it struck me while I was actually typing this sermon on my computer. Like I'm typing all these little things into numbers and make words. How is this happening? I'm amazing. And I'm thinking, it's just my brain. It's just my brain telling my body to do things and what do you know? It's done. It's incredible. Psalm 139, you know, declares this. We know this. It says, you know, surely I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody made us. We were designed. All of this declares the glory and the majesty of God. This, this speech of the creator can be seen and heard by all of creation. Romans 1 verse 20 says this. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This is, this is a pretty crazy statement. 
that the Apostle Paul writes here in saying this, that God's invisible qualities can be clearly seen. Have you ever caught that? It's like, that doesn't really make sense. His invisible qualities, because we can't see him. But through creation, he has spoken. He's made himself known. And so we can see his eternal power. The word dunamis, dunamis, it's like ability, right? It's the ability. He, he did this. Someone did this. We, he had the power to make all things. And his divine nature, that he is God, like someone outside of humanity had to have done this. It was God. And you can clearly see this, see this, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. People say, I, I didn't know anything about God. No one ever told me about God. God has spoken through creation. This creation is what's been described as general revelation that all, all people of all times can see. What God has done in creation is for all to see, and it directs our thoughts to knowing the creator. But he didn't just stop there. He went further. The voice of God is communicated to us in written form in what we have as our Bible. God has spoken in holy scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We use three specific terms. There's more terms, but these are ones that we kind of use and identify in talking about the word of God. We say it is inspired, it is infallible, and it is authoritative, authoritative for life and practice. It's inspired. God breathed into it. Second Peter 1 verse 21 says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So the Word of God, it wasn't just someone made this stuff up. It was their experience. It was their personal expression, but it was the Spirit of God that directed them, empowered them to write the word as we have it. It's infallible. That means that it, it, it does not lead us astray. It leads us to God, to know God. It will always direct us to knowing him and, and knowing his son, Jesus. It's like a map that directs us to our destination without fault. It's an authoritative book. It's for life and practice. The authority of God is vested in his word. Now, so this isn't just a, an old archaeological document. It's dusty. Hebrews 4, verse 12 to 13 says, The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's the word of God. It's living. It's active. It gets right inside us. It exposes who we are. And it tells us who God is, how we should respond to him. When we say all scripture, uh, what we obviously, we know that those who were writing the books of scripture, when they talked about scripture, they had the Old Testament. 
we declare that the Old Testament and the New Testament, the words of Jesus and the apostolic writings are, in fact, the word of God fully. First Peter 3, verse 2, Peter says this as he's talking about spurring his, his people on that are reading this letter. I want you to, to stimulate your minds to this. He says, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. And so here he's going, he goes on to say, if you read, that's a fascinating chapter, actually, First Peter 3, he talks about the apostle Paul, and he says, yeah, our brother Paul, he says some things that are hard to understand. Yep. And people want to twist those things, they say, as they do the other scriptures. And so what Peter is really doing is he's putting the apostolic teachings, writings, in with all of scriptures. And this is what, he's, what he says. So the things that were spoken in the past by the prophets, the words of our Lord Jesus, and those things were taught and carried on, passed on through the apostles. That is all of scripture. God has also spoken in Jesus Christ. We have creation, declares the glory of God. We have been given the scriptures describing who God is and who we are and how we have need for a savior because of sin. And Jesus is the supreme revelation of the Father, the very living word of God. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Hear this. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. So clear. In the past, God spoke through the prophets. But now, in these last days, it's through his son. Jesus is the supreme word of God, living word of God. John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, speaking of Jesus. Revelation 19 verse 13 he is dressed, speaking of Jesus, he is, speak, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. John 12, 49 to 50, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. So has God spoken to us? He's spoken to us, creation, the Holy Scriptures, and his son, Jesus Christ. And so if he has spoken, what do we do with this? Well, we say we need to respond. We have to respond to, if, if God has spoken, what do we do? And this is where we're, what we say we value takes action. How are we to respond to these things? How are we to respond to creation? Well, we glorify the creator and we give thanks. This is what we were always intended to do. And this is what the book of Romans, where Paul says, this is where we got off track. It says this, Romans 1, 21 to 22. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So this is what, what happened as, as all of creation was to point to God and instead they suppressed, Paul says, they suppressed the knowledge of God. It was like, it's like basically taking a you know, beach ball or something in water and pushing it down underwater, try, you know, suppressing it because of their, their evil behavior and desire to, to disregard God, not to obey him. And so in doing that, it says they, they didn't glorify God or give thanks to him. And that, in turn, had that very negative effect. It darkened their minds and their hearts. And instead, started to worship creatures rather than the creator. This also has impact on us, how we treat each other. How we treat creation, uh, you know, we as Christians have a strong calling to, to care for our world, care for our, the environment, because that is God's. God has given us that mandate to care for what he has made, but also for the people around us that sometimes we neglect or that we look down on or we stigmatize or we, we differentiate between. But every person created in the image of God and so how we treat creation with care and respect others, because God made them. And he is using them to speak into our world. So we glorify God and we give thanks to him. We also, you know, we follow the breadcrumbs. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're big, they're large. Um, if you look around and you see a magnificent creation, and you're just like, wow, that's so amazing. It points to God. You, you follow the breadcrumbs of all the things in our world that point to a designer, point to a creator. It points to God. But also recognizing that it's pointing to a, a glorious new creation that's coming. This is uh, taken directly from our, our MB confession. And it states this, sin, guilt, and death will not prevail. God will create a new heaven and a new earth in which there will be no evil, suffering, and death. The first signs of this new creation are already present in those who accept God's forgiveness through Christ. For in Christ, all things are being reconciled and created anew. It's a new creation coming. How are we to respond to the Holy Scriptures? Well, first of all, we listen and learn, right? We listen and we learn. And there are things when we open God's word, and this is maybe, uh, if, if your takeaway from this is, you know, I, I really need to take some time and, and sit and rest, meditate in God's word. Uh, that's all you need. <laughs> take that for today. Um, but there's, you're going to come across things that are going, oh, man, that's a head scratcher. That's things that I, I don't understand. Um, for my, my personal story, I grew up in the church. I you know, said simple yes to Jesus when I was six years old. I grew up, you know, in the church, Sunday school, being taught, went to camp, uh, you know, rededicated my life to Christ, was baptized, went to Bible school, and I realized then I knew hardly anything, and I, I learned things, I grew in my understanding of God, but I still come to the, this place, and I say, man, there are things in God's word I don't understand. And so a statement that I've made numerous times, you've heard me say it, um, is this, and it, it guides me. There are many things 
in the Bible that I do not understand. There are many things in the Bible I only think that I understand. But there are too many things in the Bible that I cannot misunderstand. So what we do is we take the things in God's word that, we, that are clear, we can't misunderstand, and we allow those things to inform and to guide us in the things that are unclear. But we listen and we learn. We study and we interpret, recognizing that we're not helpless in this. We're not starting from scratch, all right? We have a strong foundation of church history, of tradition, of creeds and scholars. You know, when we look at, at the creeds, this is what they, when they gathered together and they said, what, this is what matters most. This is what matters most. Let's do a, a series on that. And this is what they came out. This is the creeds, things that are most important. We come at scripture with a growing understanding of, of biblical context, right? It's a different culture, different Um, experiences than we have today. So we try to get ourselves into the biblical context. We understand God's word is written in different genres. And then we look at biblical theology and saying, what is, if this is saying something it's hard to understand, how does the rest of the Bible inform us about that? This is what we do. We use these tools. We seek truth. And, and this is a priority for us is that we say, what does this text mean? What does it mean? And then, and only then, we say, what does it mean for us? Right? That's how we determine meaning. <laughs> that's that's a, a very important biblical study principle. We look at what does it mean, what were the author's intended meaning, as much as we can try to figure that out, and then how do we apply that to us today? We don't start the other way and go backwards. We come at it with a community hermeneutic, and this is a big word. Hermeneutic means interpretation, just how do we interpret scripture. We do this, and this is a value of our denomination. If you're new to the uh, Mennonite Brethren, we talk about a community hermeneutic. We study scripture together. We learn together alongside others. Life groups are important to us. Study conferences of things are really important to us. And we say, how does this how do we grow in knowledge of this? We don't do this in isolation, okay? And we have, again, as I mentioned, our, our confession that also has a lot of work has been done to guide us in that. Of course, we come at this with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you know, as he, as he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm not leaving you alone. I won't leave you as orphans, but I'm gonna send you another, a comforter, a guide, someone who will guide you into truth. And so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you that, that illuminates things to you as you come to Scripture. And it's never in contradiction to the Scriptures. Lastly, we surrender and we obey. Right? We come at the Word with a posture of submission to the authority of God that's found in His Word. And this is also, as we talked about in James, not just, not just reading the word, not just listening to it, but actually doing what it says. Finally, how do we respond to Jesus Christ? Well, we listen, we repent and believe. 
At the baptism of Jesus, the, the voice of the Father coming from heaven said this, this is my son, listen, listen to him. And as we see the life of Jesus and his invitation to come and to follow him, and that meant repentance, and repentance is changing your mind, changing direction, and turning in faith to Jesus. We follow and we wait. You know, we walk in obedience to Jesus. We align ourselves with his character and with his priorities. And as we see in his word, he has promised to return. And so we live in light of that. We live expectantly, alert for that day, the day of the Lord. We're also to remember and proclaim, and that's what we're going to be about in the next couple minutes here as we come to the Lord's table. And I invite those who will be serving uh, to come make their way up just to the front and also to the worship team to come at this time. We remember and we proclaim. The church is the body of Christ, is commanded in Scripture to remember the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. And that's what we do here every month, typically the first Sunday of the month. We remember the Lord's death and we proclaim this until he comes again. Because God's word tells us that he didn't remain dead. He was resurrected. He is alive. And this is a clear way today as we experience this together that we live out our stated value. That the word of God is the guiding transformational truth for the journey of life and the basis for everything that we do. So as instructed by Jesus, we who believe, this is an opportunity for those who who know Jesus and love Jesus to participate in this. And so if that's not describing you today, uh, the invitation is there for you today to repent, to change your mind about your sin, about the way that you're going, the direction of your life, and to turn to Jesus in faith. But this is an opportunity for those who, who can identify with what Jesus has done for us in his death, that he paid the price for our sin, and he has forgiven us. And so we receive bread, broken, symbolizing his body, which was given for us on the cross. And we receive the cup, reminding us of his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins and the new covenant that was established, new arrangement, new agreement between us and God, purchased with the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to offer a prayer of thanks for the bread and the cup, and then we'll offer you an opportunity to come up and receive it. And if, if you are unable to come up, maybe someone could take for you, um, there's the, the cups that are available here as well. Um, but get, let me give, you, give thanks to the Lord for this, and then uh, as you're ready to come forward and be served. We will uh, take it back to our seats, and we'll receive it all at the same time at the end. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, We thank you today for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We remember today his sacrifice. We thank you that, Jesus, you went to the cross in our place. You did what we could not do for ourselves. Lord, we recognize today that that our sin was great, but your sacrifice was greater. And by paying that price, Lord, you you offered us new life. You offered us forgiveness of our sins. And so we declare that today. We proclaim 
what you have done for us. And we know that you are, are sustaining us. This is a, a meal of, of sustenance for us in this journey of life, remembering what you have done for us. It empowers us and reminds us of the hope that we have because of Jesus. So now, Lord, as we come, we come to your table. You are the host. And we thank you that you invite us to come and to remember you. In Jesus' name, amen.